Town Bank Mortgage. NMLS number 512138 is an equal housing lender. This podcast is for informational purposes only. And now, the man born with a 5 o'clock shadow and with the NMLS number 2028201. He is a gentleman. He is a scholar. He is Tyler Crawley. So I'm afraid I don't want to jinx it, but I feel like we can confidently say we finally have evidence of a cooling labor market. I'm going to say this, and then, uh, you know, August jobs report is going to be like 400000 All right, welcome, everyone, to the Monday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I am the aforementioned host of this podcast, Tyler Crawley, and it is the Monday after the big jobs reports, and that always means some kind of reminiscing about what happened on Friday, and it was pretty damn good. What happened on Friday was pretty great. We got a good jobs report in that it was lower than expected, which created or caused the really good news on Friday. And that was the uh, rally in bonds, which of course we had not seen for quite a while. In fact, the 10 year yield was approaching nine month highs, Uh, 30 year mortgage, well over 7%, according to mortgage news daily and it was just not good. And then we got this report and we saw all of a sudden people buying bonds, which of course pushes the yield down. And so we saw, I think it was 15 basis points uh, drop on Friday. And it looks like this morning um, bonds are, well, that's actually not that bad. Uh, Bonds are now, I mean, at one point, they were up, I want to say like four or five basis points this morning. Now it's only one, only up one basis point. I thought it was going to be some horrible reality where <laughs> we saw bonds give everything back in what they saw happen on Friday, but that does not seem to be the case. Um, so let's, uh, let's break down what happened in Friday's report and why it was... I think a pretty solid report in showing evidence that we are finally seeing a cooling labor market. It wasn't just kind of like one bad report. It reminded me because I was going back and looking at the data, December, 2020, we saw a negative report. I think it was like 200,000 jobs lost in December of 2020. Since then we have not had a negative report. And of course, since then we've seen some pretty spectacular growth in the jobs market. Uh, And this is the first time that I think we've seen two reports under 200,000, meaning not creating 200,000 jobs. So on Friday, we got the non-farm payroll report, which showed that in July, we created 187,000 jobs. Economists were expecting 200,000. So that was a miss. And that was actually the first miss in a while, except... Last month was was revised downward, and so what ended up happening was that the June report was also a miss. So originally, I think the June report was either a slight miss or maybe a little bit above. I can't remember, um, but it wasn't. You know, it was pretty much what they were projecting. The revision dropped 
the monthly total to 185,000. I think originally it was over 200,000, like 209,000. The revision put it at 185, which means that was the lowest number that we've seen since the negative report of December 2020 and now makes the July report the second worst because the July report was 187,000. So we've had now two reports that missed expectations and two reports under 200,000. That is almost a pattern. I, I think you need to have three for it to be a pattern. Two could be a coincidence. Three, I think, is developing a pattern. So what happened in July? Well, we did see job creation, 187,000 jobs created. The majority of that seemed to be in healthcare, creating 63,000 jobs, followed by social assistance, was up 24,000. Financial activities up 19,000. Construction also up 19,000. Good news for housing. And wholesale trade up 18,000 as well. And the only industry that I saw that lost jobs in July were professional and business services. They were down by 8,000. So we saw a little bit of job growth, 187,000, like I said, two reports in a row now under what was projected and under 200,000. But here is the real good news about this report. So we're seeing a cooling labor market, but because we're also seeing cooling inflation for the first time in a while, I think last month was the first time since maybe 2020 again, that we saw wages outpacing inflation. We saw it again for the second month in a pretty decent increase, I will say. So average hourly earnings for all employees on private non-farm payroll rose about 0.4% to $33.74. Over the past 12 months, average hourly earnings have now increased 4.4%. Now, consumer prices, we're going to find this out on Thursday, consumer prices are expected to be up 3.3% year over year. That would mean that wages are now outpacing inflation. Now, 1% is 1%. So if you're looking at real wages, <laughs> you might be saying that 1% raise year over year, what's the big deal? Well, considering that wages had not been keeping up with inflation, that is a benefit. And with a cooling labor market. So, you know, normally you kind of have the reverse in effect where you have a really hot labor market, so therefore wages are rising. Uh, and in this case, you're seeing wages rise with a cooling labor market. It's kind of like the best of both worlds. And it's why so many people are saying, hey, maybe we are going to get that soft landing. Maybe that is going to happen. Uh, now, of course, this can also be a negative. Now, 1% is not that big of a deal. But if you do see wages really jump up versus inflation, uh, that can then start putting upward pressure on inflation because people have more money to spend and they're going to then spend it. <laughs> and if you don't have the production levels at the level necessary to deal with that new spending, you will then get inflation. So it's, it's all good, but of course everything is relative. Now looking back on jobs week, the one thing that I took away is that it looks like, you know, the two big reports in my opinion, you know, you've got ADP that comes out on Wednesday that, once again, was an outlier. I mean, last month, it was, what, like 500,000, and the actual number now we know is 185. Huge miss. Uh, ADP this month, for July, I should say, 
had job creation of 324,000. That's almost double what we got from the non-farm payroll. So I, I feel like at some point we're just gonna have to start ignoring ADP, right? <laughs> I mean, it's data, which whenever someone gives you free data, it's going to get reported on. I will continue to report it. But it just feels like ADP is just so far out of what we're seeing in other reports. For example, job openings. So job openings fell to 9.58 million earlier last week, which was a two-year low and was lower than what economists, or I should say it was more um we saw fewer job openings, there we go, than we were expecting. <laughs> uh, and quits also fell to a two-year low, meaning that people are feeling less confident uh, about their ability to maybe job hop. And so you're looking at job openings, that's two months in a row that we've seen job openings fall more than expected. Not by a huge amount, a little bit. Similar to what we're seeing with job creation. And so to me, the fact that we have the JOLTS report and the non-farm payroll moving kind of in tandem, that to me makes me think that those are pretty accurate. Those are two pretty strong reports, and they're showing kind of the same thing. Nothing crazy, no crashes. What they're showing is just slow cooling in job openings and job creation. Then on Thursday, we also got jobless claims, which rose slightly to 227,000 claims, of course, remaining at the lowest levels of the last six months. So <laughs> it's kind of a, kind of an interesting mix of data, but for the most part, jolts and then the non-farm payroll moving really kind of together, which leads me to believe that those reports are pretty accurate. As I mentioned, uh, this was a great thing for the big thing in real estate right now, which is mortgage rates, which have just really jumped up, almost reaching a nine-month high, getting very close, which is basically kind of feels like we hit that nine-month high. And so to see some relief is definitely a welcome sight. And the fact that this morning we're seeing now the 10-year yield basically flat up about one basis point, I'll take it. I will, t- I will take it considering I thought we were going to get to four and a quarter. And right now, uh, we're at 4.07% at 9.15 a.m. on Monday morning. I will take it. Uh, So how did the experts react to this? Mark Zandi said, quote, the jobs report for July was down the middle of the fairway. Couldn't have been much better. Job growth is strong, but moderating, consistent with Federal Reserve's efforts to quell inflation. Wage growth is still a bit hot for the Fed's liking, but it continues to cool off. Lawrence Yun, of course, of National Association of Realtors, said the economy is chugging along, but is certainly not robust. It could turn into a job-cutting recession if the Fed continues to raise interest rates. If the Fed decides to halt the rate increases, then the housing sector can grow and provide a cushion for the economy. Not surprisingly, the National Association of Realtors guy does not want to see (laughs) rates continue to move up. Uh, And then Danielle Hale from Realtor.com said today's jobs report is unlikely to change those odds significantly, as is one of the several pieces of additional data the Fed will have to consider before the next decision. But the dip to 3.5% does mean more significant slowing is needed to reach 4.1% employment by year's end and now all of our attention 
is now going to turn to what is happening on Thursday because it's kind of a slow week. Uh, we got housing inventory today from Altos. We got some rate lock data, which I'm always a big fan of that report. Really gives you an idea of what's happening with mortgage demand. Can't imagine it's going to be great, <laughs> but we'll break it down on the next show. Uh, Tuesday, we got the trade deficit. You know, not a huge report. Total household debt. That's an important one to look at because don't look at the overall number. Look at the percentage. A lot of people try and scare you by saying, oh my gosh, we've never seen household debt at this level. The economy is about to crash. And it's like, yeah, because the economy is bigger. That's what happens when the economy gets bigger. Everything in the economy gets bigger, not just assets, but liabilities. <laughs> and so, yes, you do see debt rise as the economy gets bigger. It's when you see the sort of mismatch when the economy kind of slows down and debt gets bigger. So percentage wise, it's important to watch that. Uh, and then late Tuesday, 930, China's consumer prices are expected to have risen 0.2% from June, which would put the year-over-year inflation number at negative 0.3%. Anyone believe those numbers? <laughs> Anyone? Anyone believe those? Uh, and then Wednesday, really nothing. We got mortgage demand and rate data from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Then Thursday is the big day. Consumer prices, CPI. And here's the thing. We've seen, I want to say, about a year. I think for a year straight, we have seen consumer prices slow month over month, year over year. And for the first time, we are going to see an increase in that year over year number. Or excuse me, we've seen a slowdown in year over year. Month over month, we, we've seen increases. Uh, but this is the first time we're going to see a year over year number increase from the previous month. It was at 3% in June. They are now projecting, economists that is, that inflation is going to rise to 3.3% in uh, July. So we're going to see an uptick for the first time since June 2022. And if it doesn't, that'd be great. <laughs> we don't see an increase. This is the problem that the Fed's going to be having because, you know, I talked about this for the last couple of months is that in June and July, or excuse me, May and June of the year prior, we saw huge month over month increases back in 2022. And so when those fell off, it put huge downward pressure on that year over year number. That's why we went from like 4% to, or it was like almost 5% to 3% in just two months. But now it's going to be real hard to get that final percent. And we're seeing that in that we're going to see the first increase and we're going to go back up to 3.3%. So that's going to be on Thursday. The good news is that core inflation is expected to drop year over year to 4.7%. So we are going to see some downward movement in one of the numbers. That would be the core data. Uh, in, initial jobless claims are expected to rise 230,000. We'll also be getting the monthly budget statement from the U.S. government. Always fun to look at how much we're in debt <laughs> just, that, just that month. Um, and then mortgage rate data on Thursday, as usual, from Freddie Mac. And then on Friday, we got some global data. Uh, Britain's quarterly economic growth second quarter is supposed to be flat. So we'll see what is happening in the U.K. And then producer prices 
are expected to rise 0.2% month over month, which would put the year over year number up to 0.7, which would be up from the 0.2% that we saw in June. So for, so um, July's data is going to be showing us an increase in inflation year over year, not only just consumer prices, but producer prices. Now, of course, producer prices still well below the Fed target rate. So not that big of a deal uh, as much as what's happening with CPI. So all about inflation data later in the week. Uh, if you get my morning email, you should. You see, I, I had some interesting articles, one from CNN about zoning, which you can check out. Uh, basically how it kind of started with the best of intentions. Let's help homeowners, you know, not lose value in their house. You know, like a big factory moves next door. Who's going to want to live there? Your house absolutely collapses in value. We didn't want that. So we created these sort of zoning laws and they, at the beginning were best of intentions, but as they say, right, the road to hell is paved with the best of intentions. (laughs) So what's happened is it's now become a tool which is being used to keep undesirables out of neighborhoods as well as artificially pumping up home values. And so at first you could argue it was a shield zoning laws and now they've become a sword. (laughs) It's that was not the intent and it's sort of how do we stop this? How do we keep the benefits of zoning without degrading into the, the area where we are now, where it's being used to prop up home prices uh, higher than they, they should be artificially and also being used to keep people for, out of neighborhoods and keep people from moving into these neighborhoods, which would be to their economic benefit and society's economic benefit. Remember, I've told you this, they did a study and they found that if New York and California those two states had, or I think it might've just been, was it New York city and San Francisco? It might've been, uh, if they had built at the same pace and I get it, it's not entirely possible because the lack of land in those places, but you could, there's a lot of options that you could get close. If they had done that, the GDP of the United States would be like $2 trillion more, something crazy like that, because there's a benefit to being in these, places where all the money is you know new york city and san francisco you know if someone is smart and can move into that area and you know create something company product whatever it may be but because they don't have access to those areas because they can't afford to move there they end up having to go somewhere else where they don't have the same access to that top top capital (laughs) and they've done studies and they said, yeah, like $2 trillion is how much bigger our GDP would be. Just those two cities because that's where all the money is. Um, All right. I think that covers pretty much everything. Um, We will talk to you again Wednesday. Not going to do a show tomorrow. Uh, I might just do Monday, Wednesday, Friday from now on. I think that might be simpler uh, because I do have a job. I do have a job. It was easier when I just did this for a living and I can just do it whenever, <laughs> but I do have a job. So I'm thinking Monday, Wednesday, Friday is what I'm going to do with the show and the newsletter. Plus, especially this week, there's nothing really happening today and really even Wednesday, uh, but there'll be enough that we can make a show out of it. Uh, so real quick, you're looking at the 10 year only up one basis point. I'm happy about that. We are not seeing it all 
We're not giving it back. So that, that is... That is some good news on this Monday morning. You guys, enjoy your Monday. We will talk to you Wednesday for another edition of Markets and Mortgages. And remember, as always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait. Wait.